Hello and welcome to Radiance and Resilience. I'm Betty Parker, your host. I'm still on my quest, if you've been following me this season, to help people to understand a little bit better in matters of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Today, I'm really excited about the topic that we're covering because it's a little bit different from the norm. I have with me Dr. Jim Smith Jr. He is an author, a trainer, a coach. He is just fantastic in the work that he has done around authenticity, and he brings to us great knowledge about what it is to be your true self, to operate in your own truth, to be true to who you are and what you believe in the face of those who might not be able to appreciate that. Oftentimes, as minorities, people of color, and other people who are underrepresented groups in the workplace and in society will mask how they feel. They'll mask their opinions and their views simply because they know to speak on them will cause great backlash and quite possibly some reprisals that will affect their pathways to success. So they hide them and they can't be true to themselves in public places and even at work. We're going to talk about how to bring your full self forward, regardless of the risks you have to take so that you can live in freedom. Stick around after the break and we'll hear from Dr. Jim Smith, Jr. Hello, Jim Smith, Jr. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us on Radiance and Resilience today. It's good to have you here. I know you are a busy man, so to take time out of your very busy (laughs) schedule means a lot. Thank you so much. Wow. Well, thank you. It's an honor. It's a privilege to spend time with BT. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this <Well>, is out. <laughs> uh, look, I always got conversation. I'm telling you, as far as that's concerned, I'm always ready to have a chat. And I know you always have such great wisdom to share with people. Mm. So you and I had our uh, an opportunity to speak briefly last week, and we were talking about authenticity. And that's, I I just love the idea of talking about about bringing your real self into relationships. And the ones that I'm focusing on are all about those where we are different from each other, yet we have to be in the same space with people who might accept us in our differences and oftentimes others won't. So tell me, how do we show up authentically uh, in our relationships with people, even if we're not exactly like the people in our circle? Well, Betty, when I did my my research in school, I went into my dissertation work thinking that authenticity was black or white. You're either authentic or you're inauthentic, black and white. Mm -hmm. I graduated with a whole new hypothesis, and that is authenticity is more or less degrees of authenticity, not either or. With that said, um, some of the folks, the scholars who disagree that someone can even be authentic at all, hmm. believe, believe that it's, we're constantly evolving, we're changing, a rug is authentic, a painting is authentic, a picture is authentic, jewelry is authentic, it's one of a kind, it's not changing. But as adults, as individuals, our life is almost like a kaleidoscope. We're always changing, evolving. So I believe in being more authentic um, is going to lead you to more positive outcomes. Um, I believe the definition of authenticity is self-knowledge and self-regulation. Knowing oneself and how you show up being yourself. And there are times where less authenticity 
is the best road traveled. Um, mm. And there are times, many times, that I believe being more authentic is the best road traveled. If, in fact, that level of authenticity does not go against an organization's core values or norms. I mean, you could be an authentic narcissist, an authentic lunatic. I mean, we don't want you to be that way in the workplace. <laughs> so, so there is a spectrum, there is a degree, there is a line, demarcation for how you can truly be you if, in fact, being you goes against the grain. So with that said, we spend, we as in, let me stop coding, Black people, people of color, spend a lot of time what's called covering. I'm sure you've heard that before. Covering where mm -hmm. we're, we're going along to get along. We're being the person that we believe we need to be in that situation. And that was me for a number of years. And it, it took, ah, gosh, George Floyd's murder for me to say, for the rest of my life, I will be walking in my authenticity going forward. I'm not going to cover. I'm not going to second guess. I'm not going to edit my words and thoughts to maintain relationships with white clients or white friends. They're going to get all of the best of my ability. They're going to get me. They're going to get Jim Smith Jr. Yeah. And yeah. so you said, you know, it's really interesting. You put it that way simply because uh, in one of the previous episodes I did with a, um, a young man who's gay, that's what he was saying about the comfort level. It's almost as if you have to conform to the situation to make other people feel comfortable with you. And yeah. so you can't be who you are because that's uncomfortable for them. And so you have to put up, you have to be something of a counterfeit you in order yeah, to make other treating. people feel good. Yeah, hmm? it's, tr it's trick or treating every day. Yeah. Yeah. But that mask on. But see, part of it is our fault, though, and I own this in that I told a story consistently about what I thought would happen if I was true to me. It wasn't in writing. I didn't have rules. I said, if I do that, this is what's going to happen. So part of it is my accountability, stepping, mm -hmm. it, stepping into my responsibility. Betty, I remember when I was doing my research, I, I interviewed a, a, a black man who I'd say senior manager in his organization and asking him about a scale of one to 10 with one being little authenticity and 10 being the most. Um, how are you at work? How are you at home? Grade yourself. And then he said, Jim, let me give you an example of why my authenticity score at work is lower. You remember when Hurricane Katrina destroyed New Orleans? I was in a uh, offsite meeting with other senior leaders. I was the only black person there. I remember one of my white colleagues, a woman came up to me and said, I have a question for you. Do you think the government's slow reaction to providing support and resources to the folks in New Orleans, New Orleans was because it's a mostly black city? Jim, I was not answering that question. Suicide. This, this is what I told mm -hmm. her. I said, mm -hmm. I can see why people might feel that way. And that was it. I wasn't giving her that bomb to explode in my face. And next thing you know, then I'm a racist. And I believe, no way. So if you call that being less authentic, then I was. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know what? And I, and, and that's the deal. I think a lot of people feel if I'm true and if I, if I tell the truth, how will the other people, especially when you look at a power dynamic, how will other people receive it? Because if I can, if I may lose something in this, that's valuable to me, then I have to kind of step back, hide those, uh, the, the, my thoughts, my true feelings, my beliefs, my values, all those things that identify me and who I am authentically to satisfy other people who might not be able to receive that well. So yeah, we've learned to, you know, this goes, you were talking about coding. This goes even back into the days of my parents and generations before when it was called passing. Remember that? Yeah. Where, yes, yeah, if your yes. skin was lighter or you could be um, maybe thought of as somebody who's Caucasian, but you're, you're black, um, people would learn to pass just to get by, just to get through. And so you're right. We have learned to cloak ourselves a lot in something that's really not just to be able to appease other people, uh, specifically white people when you're talking about white and black, um, so that we can continue to make it just so we can exist, so we can live, so we can breathe, so yeah. we can work, you know, without um, some kind of retaliation or repercussions for being honest. Well, I live in a white neighborhood in the past, I would have said I live in a nice neighborhood, <laughs> but I'm keeping, keeping it real. Mm-hmm. And I have masks that I wear um, because of coronavirus, and they have my company logo on them. And again, marketing, finding a way to market. Right. And people have looked at them and smiled, or that's nice, that's creative, a few compliments. Well, this weekend... I uh, saw masks that have I can't breathe on them Mm. or Black Lives Matter. So this weekend when I went food shopping, I wore my Black Lives Matter mask. (laughs) I was getting. What kind of looks did you get then? (laughs) Like they wanted to take me out someplace Mm -hmm. and and see how much it does matter. But I was like, wow. But I did that being, like I said, I'm going to be in my authentic place. I wouldn't have done that in the past. Right. I wouldn't have commented on things on social media mm-hmm. in the past. I would have been content neutral right. because I did not want to distance any clients or friends. I don't engage in political com- commentary online. Right. But this isn't political, this isn't political commentary. This is the plight of Black people, African-Americans. And right after, right after George Floyd was murdered, I remember sitting, staring at the TV, saying, I got to do something. Up to now, I've been saying politicians need to do something, athletes, entertainers, somebody else needs to do something. And that finger wasn't pointed at me. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, you know, I don't want my grandchildren. I don't have any now, but one day I will, hopefully, prayerfully. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to say, Papa, what did you do during the time when George Floyd was murdered? Did you protest? Did you write about it? Did you speak about it? What did you do? Mm-hmm. I don't want to say, I didn't do anything. Right. Especially as a Black man. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
So you, so I, I'm feeling everything you're saying and the passion with which you're, you're sharing this because I've had to come to that conclusion too. When I started seeing, you know, some of my white colleagues fight harder than me to try to advance this messaging around Black Lives Matter, I'm like, wait, this isn't right. You know, babe, right. you have to step up to it. I'm, I'm like you, I, well, I don't say a lot on social media simply because I think it's a, just a trap <laughs> because right. people can hijack your conversation and it, it's, it's not meaningful to me. It becomes just very contentious and a lot of anger. So I try to invite people to sit down and have a conversation with me. Now mm. that didn't work either. Okay. I tried to reach out and when people had a difference of opinion and I just think some folks aren't ready for the conversation yet, even though they think they might be, but I rather that's too important a conversation to uh, just, you know, go back and forth online and, and you know how everything can get lost in writing. So can we sit across sure, from each other, sure. or get, you know, on a call or something and have that conversation. But to, to your point though, I, that's part of the reason I, I avoid it. But the other part is like you, I don't want to deal with all of the pushback that I'm going to get because there are people who don't buy into that. And I shouldn't right. have to hide how I really feel. My daughter is 17 and she bought us all Black Lives Matters t-shirts. <laughs> and she said she wants to wear it to school, right? I'm like, you just better be ready for the fallout from that though. Yeah. I don't want her, but I don't want her to do like me and suppress how she really feels. If she believes that Black Lives Matter and as a young Black woman, what she has, what she will have to contend with, she hasn't had to deal with a lot of it yet, but what she will have to contend with is going to be, you know, just some, some anger and resentment from people simply because of who she is. She's got to be ready for that fight. So I have to help her to understand that. And it doesn't sure. mean conforming and hiding herself, you know? So I'm sure. like you, I ought to just put on my t-shirt and go walk outside and whoever wants to challenge me then challenge me but this is how i feel i'm not gonna hide because you don't like what i believe you know now you know, my, my, my neighbor across the street like i said a white neighborhood mm-hmm. after george floyd was murdered my neighbor white female and her daughter and her father sat on their lawn with the black lives matter Fine. See? <laughs> and I'm like, hold up. They uh-huh. out there this, and I'm keeping my stuff. <laughs> right, right. It's just not right. <laughs> yeah, we've got to do, yeah, you got to do more. Speak it up. And so I'm going to tell you this because you you see, you kind of up north. Down here in the south where we have had the Confederate flag flying over our state house for years and years when I first got here. I'm from Louisiana, but when I got here, that's what was the big contention amongst the community. And then right. after some years, it came down off the top of the state house, but it was put on the state grounds, the state house grounds which is still representative of all the people here in the state. So people still had problems with that. It wasn't until nine black people were murdered while praying in a church by a young white man, Dylan Roof, who shot Mm -hmm. them. And that's Mm -hmm. when that flag finally came off, you know, just totally off the grounds because you have to think about um, inclusion. And this state is representative of all people, not just those who believe in a confederacy or whatever that that their particular heritage is, right? So when I think about us wearing our Black Lives Matter t-shirts, it's the same it, down here. People wear their shirts with their Confederate flags on it. They they have Absolutely. them in the back of their pickup trucks and cars. And all. that's their right. That's their vehicle. That's their bodies. They can wear whatever they want. 
I'm not going to get in the way of that because that belongs to them. But when we're talking about um, a body that is supposed to represent all people in the state, then that's when I feel like the line has to be drawn because that's not representative of my heritage. Well, not in the good way anyway. Let's say that. Yeah. Do you know what the professional basketball players are doing during interviews? No, what? Because they want to keep the conversation going, the Black Lives Matter, if reporter asks them a question about the game, they will begin talking about the game and finish the conversation talking about social injustice and race and what's happening in the world right now. So you Mm -hmm. get maybe 10, 15 seconds of game talk, but then across the board, all of them will talk to reporters talking about Black Lives Matter and how the world needs to do better. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. I can't wait till the game comes out. I think they start on Thursday, but I love the fact (laughs) that people are advancing this conversation because it is really important. It's an important one to have. And Jim, when we come back from the break, um, I want us to talk about, because you were mentioning about owning it, you know, being authentic. And I want you to talk Mm -hmm. to us about how do we do that? How do we be introspective enough? What should we be saying to ourselves or how should we examine ourselves in these moments to not only figure out if we're showing up authentic, but to really look at those things that might be getting in the way of us being truthful uh, in front of other people about who we are. We'll say we'll talk about that when we come back. Everyone wants to go to work in an environment where they feel respected and accepted for the great work they do. Unfortunately, there are environments where minorities feel discriminated against and treated unfairly even as they are underrepresented in their workplaces. They face microaggressions and bias from bosses and coworkers. For those who carry these actions out unconsciously, they often offend without realizing it. Part of great leadership is creating a workplace where everyone feels appreciated and accepted. But it takes work and education around diversity, equity, and inclusion matters to get there. All companies could benefit from development in these areas, and taking the time to invest in your employees' growth in diversity matters is a great way to do business. At Sharper Development Solutions, we're happy to help you make your organization a place of high productivity and fairness, and an all-around great place to work. Call us today at 803-622-4511 to set up a consult. I'm back with Jim Smith Jr. I am so happy to have you here today. We're having this wonderful conversation about authenticity. And before we went to break, Jim, I was asking you to help us to understand how do we, what do we have to do in our time of reflection and especially introspection when we have to challenge ourselves about how we think and how we act and all those things that uh, help us to be more, more authentic versions of ourselves. What does that look like? How should we be challenging ourselves to be more honest in who we are? Sure, sure. Great question. If you think about um, the Bible, Ten Commandments, I believe each individual should have their own commandments or their own core values to legislate how they show up, to determine how they show up. So each time you're in a situation, say, for instance, it's selflessness. It's, it's taking risk. It's being honest, whatever those are. Given the situation, ask yourself, am I being selfless right now? Am I taking a risk? Am I being honest? But we have to have those principles that we stand for and live our lives accordingly. And we have to get 
comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Because once you start stepping into who you are, you're going to feel so much lighter. You're not carrying everyone else's stuff with you. You're not carrying the forecasting failure with you or what he's going to say. You're not babysitting anymore, life babysitting, and you're not right fighting. Right fighting is when you get into that conversation with someone and you fight to be right. Mm -hmm. You know, once you move away from that and stay true and understand that you're evolving and that you're growing and new information is constantly coming to you every day. For instance, but I'll give you an example of something for me in my evolution. Now I'm really into this evolution. <laughs> if you knew me prior to my 18th birthday, you would call me James or Smitty. Mm -hmm. When I went to college, University I attended was, I would say, 95% white. That's when Jim mm. was created. Wow. And I just kept it. But my name is James Smith. The end of this year, you're going to see a total new rebranding where it's going to be Dr. James, not Dr. Jim. Okay. Professionally, personally. I'm going to use the name my mother gave to me. The name my, your I, mom gave you. Yes. I'm a junior. It's my dad's name. Mm -hmm. James Smith Sr. I'm James Smith Jr. But that's part of my, I guess, my getting deeper and more in touch with who I am as a 59-year-old Black man, educator, speaker, author, writer. Mm -hmm. And I believe if people do the work, the heavy lifting and develop their life principles and not think about doing them, believe in doing them. Because to me, think is passive, belief is strong. Mm -hmm. This is really, really corny, don't laugh. R. Kelly didn't sing, I think I could fly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just those believing in your values mm -hmm. and being okay with taking risks. Yeah. And at the word fear differently because a lot of people fear doing things and their acronym for the word fear is false expectations appearing real mm -hmm. it's not mine mine is fear face everything and rise mm. and rise and if we are rising up we're being true to ourselves the self-knowledge the self-regulation we're not letting the situation determine how we're going to show up like I have all these years and it's lighter. You feel much lighter. Yeah. I love that. You know what? I think what you're saying around this whole idea of heavy lifting, that's the tough part. I think for people, because the more one has to think of self and really dig down deep, they may uncover some really ugly things. And yeah. if I discover those things about myself that aren't quite right, that requires some action. And most people have rested in whatever it is they've had for so long. It might be because they were raised a certain way. They were taught certain ways at home. They watched how things transpired with, within their families. And so they developed these things over time. But as you mentioned, there should be an evolution. We should constantly be changing for the better. And yeah. so if there's something in me, if I search my heart and I know I am being judgmental against another person or even another group of people, and I examine 
that I don't have any real basis for it. It's just because they're different. And maybe some of the things that I've learned about them or I don't know, a belief about them isn't rooted in any kind of real fact. It's just opinion and stuff that other people have told me. And I know that I know that I know I have not spent any time with anybody from that particular group. So everything is tainted by just, you know, secondhand stuff, right? And I've held some really negative beliefs against those people. I'm going to have to check myself and say, I'm wrong. I need to change. And I believe a lot of people don't want to do that. That's why the conversation is so hard. Yes, and flipping it, it's why not all some white people don't want to have the conversation because Mm -hmm. they don't want to be uncomfortable. They don't want to uncover things about themselves that they did not know was there. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's, I believe in life stretch marks. Okay. Mm. Life stretch marks suggest that, yeah, you've been through some stuff, but you're much mm. better for it. You, you gave birth to an, a new ideal. And I know, right. I, I believe that when women give birth, sometimes the doctor says, push, 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 <laughs> push. Yes. So for us to give birth to a new being, a new sense, a new mindset, we're going to have to push through whatever that life scar tissue is that's limiting us. Mm -hmm. And it requires work, consistency. Yes. I'm I'm sure some people are hoping that this thing ends soon, not the Mm -hmm. pandemic, this racial conversation ends soon. No, sir. It's just getting started. Well, I'm going to make sure I'm part of the continuation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Me too. I'm trying to keep it going, Jim. That's why I say I'm going. if it's one conversation at a time, I'm going to try to keep it going because I think if people will educate themselves and, and really, you know, when you think about it, why? And I'm going to be talking to some psychologists um, in my next podcast because we're going to ex- examine just what's the emotional aspect of all of this why do people get angry why do they get why do they feel guilty why do they what's going on with them that causes them to feel so much discomfort and i'm thinking okay if this occurred back in you know you know hundreds of years ago maybe it was your grandparents or your great-grandparents or great-great-grandparents why do you feel so strongly um if we bring up today how we're still suffering from the thinking and the attitudes of people from, you know, hundreds of years ago, nobody's blaming you in particular. We're just saying because you have had some advantages as a result of the way the system was set up. Can you help us to equalize things? We're not pointing a finger at you specifically. No, you weren't here. You didn't own slaves. We, We get it. So, but you see what the result of that is. So can you help us to, you know, equalize things? So when we start Start looking at that, yes. then it's going to require people to step up in a different way. And maybe, and, and we know the other side of that, though, is there are some people who are just threatened by it. They don't want things to be equal. They exactly. feel like they're going to exactly. lose something. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. The fear that if I give up something, I'm going to lose something. Mm-hmm. Or some unintelligent folks believe you're going to get me back. You're going mm. to do to me what I've been doing. So I, I just want to continue doing it my way. Because right. if you get power, economic power, if you get uh, stronger, 
more intelligent, mm-hmm. you're going to get me. Yeah. I'm benefiting from this system. Yeah. It's a sad thing to think that because I don't know, I can't speak for all black people, but black folks I know, <laughs> like, look, I just want to be able to live, right? I need to have all of this stuff and I ain't trying to take nothing from you to get what I want. All yeah. I want is the same things you want. Can we just make a little, little room for me to well, get Betty, in, you know? Betty, yeah. that's the thing. Black people aren't saying black people really matter or black people matter the most. <laughs> right. We just want to matter. Can we get a matter? <laughs> Can we get a matter? Like my girlfriend said, she says, we, we matter too. You know, just yeah. add us in there. That's it. It's not to take anything yeah. away from you, but just can you just, you know, make a little room for us over here. We, that's all. We're not trying to take anything we don't think we don't deserve. I mean, everybody deserves some of the, the same rights that other folks are having out here. And it's just, it, we, we, I mean, it's proven. It's all factual. We got a lot of data that suggests, of course, course, not suggest that proves um, that there is definitely um, inequities in the way that people of color are treated in this country versus, and I dare dare say in the world, you know, Uh, so we just got to do better. We have a huge opportunity in front of us. Mm -hmm. Uh, Black people and people of color have an opportunity to take accountability and responsibility for how they show up. Yes. And majority members, white people have an opportunity to level the field in all aspects of life. Where when you turn on TV and you see the national news, you're not going to know for sure that a white male is going to give you the news because of all the diversity that's being leveraged in our world. It might be a Hispanic female. It might be an Asian male. It's, 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 it's insidious. It's insidious that we don't have the racial harmony that we should have. And right. m- many people say it. There's only one race. That's the human race, human race. But we have to treat each other accordingly to have that. Right. And until we do, we're going to have the challenges that we, that we currently have, which is yeah. unfathomable all these years all these years where some people, not George Floyd, before he was killed, you saw a black man jogging down the street. Yes. And you saw two white guys in pickups pull him over Mm -hmm. and kill him. Yep. And it wasn't reported for months. And then it wasn't outrage. Mm Mm-hmm. The outrage, is it okay to just shoot a man while jogging black? Yeah. The outrage. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's, insidious. It's, that, yeah, that's the part. I mean, I don't think people realize... And, and this is why I think we have to keep this conversation going because there are too many things that have become acceptable. And when yeah. you look at the fact that people can still die because of the color of their skin, and it's, yeah. it, I don't want to say it's okay, people will kind of do the tisk tisk thing, oh, that's so sad, that should never have happened. But they're yeah. not willing to put in any work to stop those things from going from happening going forward. So it took a man being murdered, I mean, literally lynched in the streets in broad daylight for everybody to yeah. see before people 
people woke up. I mean, we saw, and this was right on the heels of Ahmaud Arbery. So people were just kind of getting a feel for that one. And then uh, George Floyd happens like two weeks later. And so then Breonna Taylor's right after that. So they're starting yeah. to see this pattern. The thing that Black people have been saying for years now, it was just successive, you know, just one thing behind the other. I mean, my goodness, when nine Black people were killed in this church in, in Charleston, I don't know why that didn't outrage people enough. There were a few protests, but yeah. it seems like, I mean, goodness. But but so here's the deal. This is how tricky, like you say, and insidious unconscious bias is. It's easy to say, oh, that boy was out of his mind. He was hateful. He was mean, but he's an extremist. That's not me. Right. So it's yeah. easy to say the racists are those people over there who are with the alt-right groups and the Klan and the Nazi groups and all of this stuff. But, oh, me over here in the nice neighborhood whose kids go to school with black kids and who works with black people at, at uh, on my job and blah, blah, blah. I don't do that kind of stuff. I don't adhere to that kind of, you know, and, but yet they're doing things um, even unbeknownst to themselves at times that are microaggressions against people of color or, um, you know, just some kinds of behaviors that they've yeah. hidden from themselves. And that's unacceptable to us. And they don't, because they're not asking or because they're afraid or they get upset when somebody tells them about it, they don't hold themselves accountable. We get the same reactions over and over again, defensiveness, tears, um, pushback, all those things, as opposed to saying, you know what, I didn't realize that that was offensive to you. I'm sorry. I've got to do better. Yeah. And the unfortunate thing is, and I'm guilty of this, is until it lands in your backyard, you don't do anything. Mm -hmm. My biological son and my bonus son are both on the autistic spectrum. Mm -hmm. They both are nonverbal. Mm. Um, when I met my bonus son, he was 11. Okay. Mm -hmm. Autism landed in my backyard. When my biological son was diagnosed, it's front and center. So now guess who's doing things about autism support mm -hmm. or supporting that plight because it's in my house, it's in my backyard. I right. live with it every day. Now I'm active. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I liken that to whether you have disabilities, whether whatever privilege you have, unless that inequality is knocking on your door or that unfortunate, unfortunate circumstance is knocking at your door, people tend to just keep it moving. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Keep it moving. Mm -hmm. Not happening to me. Right. And recently, the, the Sean Jackson plays football for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's a wide right. receiver. Recently, he said some anti-Semitic comments. Right. About Jewish people. Mm-hmm. Jew, the Jewish population came out of nowhere to condemn him for his unfathomable comments as mm -hmm. well they should but where were you when Floyd was murdered where were you when this happened and that happened we tend to only go after those situations that are near and dear to us yeah everybody ought to be fighting for everybody yes. else when they're in these situations yes I agree yeah. mm -hmm. when we get as angry for every situation that we get for our situation it will be very easy to be authentic because we're in this together. Yeah, I was I was heartened though. I did see quite a bit of that. Well, more than before. Let me just say that more in the past. 
Yeah. So that's why I'm thinking there is progress getting made, uh, Jim, because before when there were all kinds of other issues where we should have seen protests like that, they didn't really rise up. So we're seeing it become stronger and stronger. Are we there yet? No, but we're getting there because this is the most that we've uh, this is the most I've seen in my time of uh, conversations. Yeah. And people really getting out there and fighting. And, you know, it's interesting with the Portland, Oregon situation, how that's a predominantly white city and they are still pressing and hard every single night fighting for black lives i thought that that was pretty interesting yes well thank you technology because we're going to get the news either on our phone on our ipad on our computer tv Mm -hmm. we're going to get it Mm -hmm. we are becoming a more informed society yes we will take that information gain and work towards creating an equitable place and getting rid of these institutionalized systems that suppress. Yeah, yeah. And that's my hope. And I I hope that the next generation and the one after that, all of these, eventually this stuff will die out and go away and fewer and fewer people will teach their kids hatred because we know kids are not born to hate. Um, this is stuff that that's learned behavior. And so I'm hoping with each generation, because I always tell people, you know, the Civil Rights Act of 1964. I mean, I was born in 65. Mm. So here mm. I am. I'm about to be 55 next month. And you can't wow. get rid of nearly 400 years of oppression in only 50 years. OK, so it's going to no. take a while no. to get this out of the system. We're still dealing with, um, you know, the, the remnants and the residue from all of that hatred from years past. So it's not going to to just go away just because we are over here jumping up and shouting and saying hey we don't like this there's going to take a lot of work a lot of work and it's going to take voting and it's going to take putting the right people in place and the, the the kinds of folks who are going to be brave enough and courageous enough to say enough is enough if this is a democracy and all people are supposed to be free then we will allow people to live in freedom you know without right. suppressing them and oppressing them simply because we feel well there are people who feel that they are inferior and some point at some in some way and don't deserve equal rights so i'm i'm encouraged by some of the things that's going on but i appreciate um your insight and your perspective in helping the audience to just think on some things when it comes to being authentic i appreciate that any final words or comments around you know just showing up in the most honest way well there there's a quote that's on a painting that's in my office, and I wish I was in my office to, to read it, but I'm paraphrasing it. So something around champions, true champions have the skill and the will to succeed, but the will must be greater than the skill. Mm, oh, yeah. So our awesome. will must be greater because if you are a person who's uncomfortable having that conversation or uncomfortable being authentic or uncomfortable taking that first step, even with all the tools, that will has to tap in. Mm-hmm. That, will ha- that will has to push you. I know you can do it, but will you do it? Right. Absolutely. And the time is now. Mm-hmm. I agree. I thank you. That is awesome. As you, so I'm going to call you Dr. James now <laughs> in anticipation. Of you. you know, it was so interesting. You said that and, I, and I'm going to, I'm going to stop because I can just talk to you all day about this, but we know that when 
just from looking at Alex Haley's uh, story yes. of roots, yes. you know, what was the first yes. thing they did when they brought yes. them in those slaves? It was, they changed yes. their name. When you, when you rob a people of their identity, I taught this in my um, Bible study recently too. When you think about how even back um, during the times of, of when King Nebuchadnezzar stole the uh, Jews and brought them over to Babylon, the first thing he did was change Daniel's name, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, mm. and Abednego. That wasn't their real names. Yep. And Daniel became Belteshazzar, that wasn't his real name, but when you want to change a person or oppress a person or enslave a person, rob them of their identity. Take mm. away their name, take away their heritage, take away their roots, take away what is familiar to them, remove them from their homeland, bring them to a strange place, separate them from their family and their support system, all of those things, and keep them uneducated. All of those things contribute to being able to oppress a people. So when you're taking back your name and you're definitely James Smith because you're named after your dad, <laughs> then you need to come back to that name that was given to you from birth because that's what your mom and dad chose for you. So I appreciate that. I'm going to call you Dr. James from now on. <laughs> appreciate it. <laughs> so that's my sermonette for today. You are awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. So are you. Uh, storytelling, uh, factual information, back and forth exchange. It just felt like we were sitting in your living room having a conversation. I love it. And I'm a big talker. So I appreciate you taking so much time into sharing so much. Really, I just hope people will get something from this. That's my goal. And I'm going to keep pressing forward with it. So thank you for uh, going on this journey with me. You are so welcome. And I'm going to continue to be on this journey with you because we got a lot of work to do. We do. Well, I'll call on you again. All right. I'm here. All right. You have a good one. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Leadership, teamwork, conflict management, self-awareness. Mastering skills in these areas are how we at Sharper Development Solutions help leaders and employees perform better at work. Through classroom instruction, group and individual coaching, and tools like Everything Disc Styles Assessments, we develop leaders, teams, and relationships through greater self-awareness and accountability. Call us at 803-622-4511 to schedule an appointment and learn more about how we can help you and your organization excel.